The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. John Gibbons is with us for our weekly environment spot, given that global warming is the great global issue facing us all. And in a moment, we're going to talk about the five changes he recommends we could all make in 2023 to help the environment. But I first want to ask you about the government's latest announcement yesterday on Climate Action Plan, because quite a lot of the messages we were getting to the programme were quite hostile to many of the ideas. And not sympathetic particularly to the government's plans to move people to electric cars, to reduce journeys by 20% between now and 2030, and to make car parking more expensive and more difficult. Yeah, good evening, Matt. I I suppose it's always going to be the case that when you come along uh, proposing change, I think our default position, if you like, psychologically, is uh, pretty much to do today what we did yesterday and to expect to do the same tomorrow. So when somebody comes along and says, well, actually, we kind of need to shake things up, we need to change things, I think it's natural for people to feel threatened by this. So, for example, if we were having this conversation in the studio 50 years ago, it would have been inconceivable that we would be such a car-choked, car-dependent society. We couldn't have imagined it if we were sitting here in 1970 having this discussion because uh, public transport, cycling and so on, bikes... Cars were part of our mix at that time, but they didn't dominate it. So what happens really, I suppose, over time is we get a kind of a creeping change more and more. And then eventually the landscape, the planners, everybody moves towards that system. So so transport is, is a very good case here, a good case study from, from this, where we're trying now, if you like, to, to roll back decades of car-centred planning, where if you like, and I'll even think of my own town, big challenge for planners and and the the guys responsible at local authority level is to get traffic moving, to have it whizzing through one side of your town and out the other. So your town being? Dunleary in my case, but we could be talking about any town you like in in, in Ireland. Now, tiny little changes, Matt, incremental things that have happened, say even in the last few weeks, and I think I mentioned them already, uh, we've installed finally a few pedestrian crossings in Dunleary to begin to suggest that the thousands of people packed on the footpaths may have a quality of uh, access to crossing the road safely in Dunleary. But in many cases, as in towns uh, up and down the country, every time you leave the footpath, you play chicken. Because basically the traffic will continue. They're the ones in the car, you're the ones in the footpath. And of course, this applies to people with disabilities. It applies to people with buggies. It applies to elderly people. It applies to to people with, with small kids. And trying to rebalance that is such a challenge. We've seen this, for example, in Dean's Grange, where there were efforts made uh, to install cycling lanes simply to bring cycling to to make it available to people uh, at, at a school level. And what we found is that some of the local businesses very active, very powerful, if you like, in their in their locality, whipping up uh, opposition to this and, and putting out stories suggesting that any attempt at rebalancing uh, even even something as simple as cycle lanes in a, in a clogged up uh, area like Dean's Grange was going to was going to basically cause the sky to fall in on the business community. Now the experience has been time and time again that these scare stories almost never play out in reality. See, it's interesting. You're actually taking this from a different angle to the sort of the pure environmental angle, as in the emissions caused by. Uh, petrol and diesel cars 
you're actually looking at this more of a sort of a quality of life issue for people that we shouldn't be so dependent on our cars. And yet the listeners were getting in touch saying that their problem is they cannot get to work without their cars. And the reality, you talk about 50 years ago, we have about double at least the number of people working in Ireland than we would have had. And people aren't working from home in most cases. And the working from home phenomenon may be petering out a little bit as well, which means more and more people back in the workplace. You're absolutely right. Of course, we've got a much bigger population. But if we've doubled population, we've probably quadrupled, maybe quintupled our car fleet on the roads of Ireland. And of course, we've added some motorways, but essentially the roads haven't got any bigger. And as we've talked about here before, Matt, in many respects, our roads have gotten smaller, by which I mean, as our vehicles have gotten bigger, that has basically squeeze the road space for other users. So people on bikes uh, and other users are finding the roads around around Ireland much more intimidating than they used to be. So, And you're absolutely right. Of course, we can talk about emissions. And of course, we could also, for example, talk about clean air. We know that we have... Uh, about 150 to 200 people killed on our roads every year, which of course is far too many. But we also know that particulate pollution from burning solid fuels and liquid fuels in Ireland, about 7,000 people a year die as a result of that. And these they tend to die in their ones and twos in their local hospitals. And it's written up, it, you know, they don't write on it necessarily died from pollution. But in reality, that's what's happening. We also find, Matt, that our, our, some of our local towns, small towns and villages in Ireland with dreadful air quality. Uh, listener comments. One here says, I live in a village in County Kilkenny with one bus a day to Kilkenny City, none to any other town or village. No trains out of Dublin after the Westlife concert, so no choice but to drive. And Dunleary, this listener says, has public transport. You're absolutely right. Now, I, I also, I'm often down the country, I have relatives and so on uh, down the country, so I totally get uh, that where that person is coming from. And this is part of the plan, by the way, is to significantly increase the access of rural transport and rural buses. And I think it's really important to say as well that, for example, of course we need more buses on the roads, but it is critically important. You can't simply put extra buses on the streets unless you squeeze the cars out. Because those buses then, Matt, end up sitting in car traffic. And it is important to say here that much as you might like to imagine that this is all going to happen organically. There, we, and we can talk all you like about the carrots, but we also need sticks. We have to make the transition not just easy on the one hand, but also for people basically who choose not to, there have to be prices for that. And, they, and they've been set out... Okay, a lot of comments coming in from listeners. Joe said, I live beside the Dart in Shankill and I work in Crumlin. I got the Dart to Blackrock last week and the number 17 bus to Crumlin. It took me two hours door to door. So you can see why Joe decides that he wants to drive. Another one here says, uh, the vehicle blockage has become a huge problem since the cycle tracks that you referred to have been installed and nobody is using the cycle tracks. Yeah, well, let me start with Joe. Right. The reason that it took Joe to get those two hours today, even though he had public transport all the way, is because the route that he was travelling is clogged with private cars, Matt. Most of those cars are single occupant cars. So that's why Joe took two hours to get to work today. It is not because of bicycle lanes. It's because of private cars, uh, single occupancy private cars that we really need to squeeze out of our cities. 
Because actually one of the five changes you want to recommend for 2023 is ditching the car. That's right. I mean, I think this is coming down the tracks and obviously that's not going to work for everybody. And clearly, and as I outlined in rural Ireland, for example, simply ditching the car for many people is not is not yet an, op- an option. Uh, things we've talked about here before would include carpooling because so many people have such a huge expense, Matt, put on their heads. I think I've mentioned it's estimated by the AA that it costs a person 10 thousand euros a year after tax money to run a car and that of course people when they think of running a car they tend to think of what it costs to fuel them but when you add in finance when you add in depreciation and when you add in all the other costs around a car you're talking about 200 euros a week so for people to be able to be free from their cars not not uh, cars are often sold to us as giving us freedom that's what the ads show you ever notice the car ads are always on empty roads right it's a shame they didn't put that car trying to get it from Blackrock to Crumlin uh, with, with Joe in it and, and as he pulling out his hair trying to get from one place to the other so we're sold the idea that the private car is offering us freedom now of course they have a role and particularly outside of the urban areas but the fact is what we need the sign of an advanced society is not poorer people in cars it's that well off people are using public transport Transport. We waited over half an hour for a bus to go see the Coronas at the Olympia and despite more than two buses apparently being due and didn't turn up, we ended up having to run back to the house and get the car so we didn't end up missing the uh, gig. Another one here, bus from Knockbridge to Dundalk, the 11.40, 12.40 never showed up. Public transport is a joke. This is something we get on a regular basis uh, from people is that when they want to commit themselves to public transport, uh, they're not guaranteed that it would actually turn up. Other things that you want on your list, you want people to cut down on their flying. Sure. Again, this is uh, one of those subjects that uh, we've talked about here many, many times. But uh, I was looking at just some of the data on this, Matt. And for example, to take a a simple case, a transatlantic return flight, Dublin to New York, right? That's going to emit the the equivalent of around a tonne of carbon dioxide. Now, that is more emissions for that one return flight than people in 57 poorer countries around the world will emit in the entire year. Now, the reality here, this is a a justice issue. There's only so much global carbon budget left that we can ever burn for the next 100,000 years. Now, we have to treat flying as it should be treated, which is an incredibly valuable resource that has huge impacts that should be used sparingly. And I mean, the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, their estimate is probably we need to reduce global flying by about 90%. Now, I hear folks like Ryanair telling us uh, about their, their, their magic solutions like sustainable aviation fuel, right? That this is going to solve the problem. But again, when you look into these magical solutions, you find that they're going to be delivered manana at some time in the future using unspecified technology uh, and no audit trail. Uh, another one says, I consider myself environmentally conscious, but I will never adopt public transport until the antisocial behaviour problems are sorted. Urine on seats, people drinking and taking drugs, threats of violence, example, are commonplace. Another listener says, I'll stop taking my flights when private jets are banned first. In well, fairness, you're in favour of banning the private jets, aren't you? Very much, very much so, Matt, and I'd be Four square behind that list. Yeah, I think, I think another one says it's the celebrities flying their private jets. Ordinary people only use a plane once or twice a year. Pick on the rich, please. Well, on that, Matt, uh, first of all, 1% of frequent flyers 
account for far more than 50% of all the flying. And those frequent flyers, by the way, don't have to be rich. There's a lot of people who are basically using extremely cheap flights, uh, effectively just just jumping on a plane to go here for 20 quid and go there for 50 quid. It's often been observed that it can be cheaper to fly from Dublin to Rome than it is to get a bus from Dublin to Tralee. Okay, you have a couple of other ideas. This one is going to drive the farmers mad. You want us to eat less meat in 2023. Yeah, I think we need to follow the science here. This has been absolutely clear. Uh, We we know globally uh, there's about 100 billion livestock globally of, of all kinds, about 100 billion. And essentially the, the amount of space, the amount of deforestation, the amount of land use change globally, Matt, that has been created and the devastation that has been created in order to create the space to, to grow and to feed 100 billion livestock on top of 8 billion humans. We don't have a big enough planet to have 100 billion livestock and 8 billion humans. Something has got to give. And the scientists have looked at this. We've had, for example, the Eat Lancet report. And what they said is the healthiest thing to do would be to have a, a plant-led diet. It doesn't mean you never eat meat again, but a diet that is predominantly plant-based, as, by the way, people in many parts of the world are already. It tends to be people in richer part of the world, like Ireland, that have a meat diet. In fact, our diet, we have too much meat, too much dairy in our diet. We could all, myself included, would be healthier. We'd lose some weight if we had, if we led our diet with plant-based mix. Okay, you've two other things that you had on your list, and I think they actually almost become one. The first is be political, and the other one that you have is talk about it. Um, they're both very much linked, aren't they? They very, very much so. And I think this is extremely important. And, and I'm going to come back again to some really interesting work that was done recently by the Environmental Protection Agency. And they found that uh, 36% of Irish people self-report, Matt, as being, quote, alarmed about climate change. Not concerned, alarmed. And when you add in the concerned voices, that rises to 84%. So what that tells us is ordinary people listening to us right now are already concerned. Now, I know a lot of the hard shows that are texting in may represent the 3% who don't give a damn, right? I appreciate that. They tend to be more vocal for some reason. But the reality is there's a silent majority out there that are extremely concerned. And by the way, they have very good reason to be concerned. Now, my suggestion on this is I don't care who you vote for. Climate change is a, is a party neutral issue. There are great people, for example, in Sinn Féin on climate change. Yet Sinn Féin as a party is terrible on climate change. There are great people in Fine Gael on climate change, but as a party, it's really poor. So the question is, even if you, if whoever your party is, I don't care who you vote for, within that party, identify the people who are strong on climate and biodiversity protection and environmental protection, and also identify the politicians who have the guts to stand up to the lobbyists because so many of our politicians, unfortunately, spend much of their careers simply placating vested interest lobby groups. And I think it's really sad to see somebody who would dedicate themselves to public life to basically end up running errands for lobbyists. We have to leave it there. John Gibbons, thank you for your contributions throughout 2022. Uh, We know that many of our listeners really enjoy them and think they're really, really necessary. We also know that you infuriate uh, those listeners who disagree with you and claim that it's all unbalanced, biased nonsense. (laughs) But we will continue to have you back every Thursday during 2023 if you will join us. Always a pleasure, Matt. Thank you very much, John Gibbons. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.